Chapter Twelve of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twelve, Mrs. Graham at home. As the summer advanced, extensive preparations were commenced for repairing Woodlawn, which was to be fitted up in a style suited to the luxurious taste of its rightful owner, which, as report said, was in reality Durward he had conceived a fancy for the place five years before when visiting in the neighbourhood and on learning that it was for sale he had purchased it at the suggestion of his mother proposing to his father that for a time at least he should be its nominal possessor what reason he had for this he hardly knew himself unless it was that he disliked being flattered as a man of great wealth choosing rather to be esteemed for what he really was and indeed few of his age were more generally beloved than he was courteous kind-hearted and generous almost to a fault he gained friends wherever he went and it was with some reason that mrs graham thought herself blessed above mothers in the possession of such a son he is so like me she would say in speaking of his many virtues when in fact there was scarcely anything in common between them for nearly all of durward's sterling qualities were either inherited from his own father or the result of many years companionship with his stepfather possessed of the most exquisite taste he exercised it in the arrangement of woodlawn which under his skilful management began in a few weeks to assume a more beautiful appearance than it had ever before worn once in two weeks either mr graham or durward came out to see how matters were progressing the latter usually accepting mrs livingstone's pressing invitation to make her house his home this he was the more willing to do because it threw him into the society of lena who was fast becoming an object of absorbing interest to him the more he saw of her the more was his admiration increased and oftentimes when joked concerning his preference for carrie he smiled to think how people were deceived determining however to keep his own secret until such time as he should be convinced that lena was all he could desire in a wife for her poverty and humble birth he cared nothing if she were poor he was rich and he possessed too much good sense to deem himself better than she because the blood of a nobleman flowed in his veins he knew that she was highly gifted and beautiful and could he be assured that she was equally true-hearted he would not hesitate a moment but mrs livingstone's insinuation that she was a heartless coquette troubled him and though he could not believe it without more proof than he had yet received he determined to wait and watch studying her character the while to see if there was in her aught of evil in this state of affairs it was hardly more than natural that his manner toward her should be rather more reserved than that which he assumed toward carrie for whom he cared nothing and with whom he talked laughed and rode forgetting her the moment she was out of his sight and never suspecting how much importance she attached to his every word and look construing into tokens of admiration the most casual remark such as he would utter to any one this was of advantage to lena for secure of their prize both mrs livingstone and carrie for a time at least ceased to persecute her seldom speaking of her in durward's presence and as a general thing acting as though she were not in existence john jr too who had imposed upon himself the duty of watching his mother and sister seeing no signs of hostility now withdrew his espionage amusing himself instead by galloping three times a week over to frankfort the home of nelly douglas and by keeping an eye upon captain atherton who as a spider would watch a fly was lying in wait for the unsuspecting anna at last all was in readiness at woodlawn for the reception of mrs graham who came up early in october bringing with her a larger train of house servants than was often seen in woodford county 
about three weeks after her arrival invitations were issued for a party or housewarming as the negroes termed it nero durward's valet brought the tiny notes to mr livingstone's giving them into the care of carrie who took them immediately to her mother's room it's durward's handwriting said she glancing at the superscriptions and reading as she did so mr and mrs livingstone mr john livingstone jr miss carrie livingstone miss anna livingstone miss lena rivers and here she stopped in utter dismay continuing as her mother looked up inquiringly and as i live one for grandma mrs martha nichols impossible exclaimed mrs livingstone reaching out her hand for the billet yes tis miss martha nichols what can it mean a peep behind the scenes would have told her what it meant for once in his life mr graham had exercised the right of being master in his own house declaring that if mrs nichols were not invited with the family there should be no party at all mrs graham saw that he was in earnest and yielded the point knowing that in all probability the old lady would not be permitted to attend her husband had expected a like opposition with regard to lena but he was disappointed for his wife forgetting her declaration that lena should never darken her doors and thinking it would not do to slight her consented that on her uncle's account she should be invited accordingly the notes were dispatched producing the effect we have seen how perfectly ridiculous to invite grandma said carrie it's bad enough to have lena stuck in with us for of course she'll go why of course asked mrs livingstone the invitations are at my disposal now and if i choose to withhold two of them no one will be blamed but nero who was careless and dropped them lena has nothing decent to wear and i don't feel like expending much more for a person so ungrateful as she is you ought to have heard how impudent she was that time you all went to Woodlawn then followed a one-sided description of that morning's occurrence mrs livingstone working herself up to such a pitch of excitement that before her recital was finished she had determined at all events to keep back lena's invitation as a method of punishing her for her insolence as she termed it mrs graham will thank me for it i know said she for she cannot endure her and besides that i don't think lena expects to be invited so there's no harm done carrie was not yet quite so hardened as her mother and for a moment her better nature shrank from so mean a transaction which might after all be found out involving them in a still worse difficulty but as the thought flashed upon her that possibly lena might again attract Dorward toward her she assented and they were about putting the notes aside when john jr came in catching up his grandmother's note the first thing and exclaiming oh rich capital i hope she'll go then before his mother could interpose a word he darted away in quest of mrs nichols whose surprise was fully equal to that of mrs livingstone and carrie now you don't say i've got an invite said she leaving the darning needle in the stocking heel which she was mending and wiping her steel-bowed spectacles come leany you read it that's a good girl lena complied and taking the note from her cousin's hand read that mrs graham would be at home thursday evening etc but where's the invite that don't say anything about me said mrs nichols beginning to fear that it was a humbug after all as well as they could lena and john explained it to her and then fully convinced that she was really invited mrs nichols began to wonder what she should wear and how she should go asking john if he couldn't tackle up and carry her in the shay as she called the single buggy certainly 
answered john jr willing to do anything for the sake of the fun which he knew would ensue from his grandmother's attendance lena thought otherwise for much as she desired to gratify her grandmother she would not for the world expose her to the ridicule which her appearance at a fashionable party would call forth glancing reprovingly at her cousin she said i wouldn't think of going grandma for you are lame and old and there'll be so many people there all strangers too that you won't enjoy it at all besides that we'll have a nice time at home together i'll read to you all the evening we repeated john jr pray are you not going not without an invitation said lena smilingly true true returned her cousin it's downstairs i dare say i only stopped to look at this i'll go and get yours now suiting the action to the word he descended to his mother's room asking for lena's card lena's card what do you mean said mrs livingstone looking up from the book she was reading while carrie for a moment suspended her needlework lena's invitation you know well enough what i mean returned john jr tumbling over the notes which lay upon the table and failing to find the one for which he was seeking you'll have to ask mrs graham for it i presume as it's not here was mrs livingstone's quiet answer thunder roared john jr lena not invited that's a smart caper but there's some mistake about it i know who brought them nero brought them said carrie and i think it is strange that grandmother should be invited and lena left out but i suppose mrs graham has her reasons she don't seem to fancy lena much mrs graham go to grass muttered john jr leaving the room and slamming the door after him with great violence it was a pity he did not look in one of the drawers of his mother's work-box for there safe and sound lay the missing note but he did not think of that he only knew that lena was slighted and for the next two hours he raved and fretted sometimes declaring he would not go and again wishing mrs graham in a temperature but little suited to her round fat proportions well if they feel too big to invite leany they needn't expect to see me there that's just all there is about it said grandma settling herself in her rocking-chair and telling lena she wouldn't care an atom if she's in her place but lena did care no one likes to be slighted and she was not an exception to the general rule owing to her aunt's skilful management she had never yet attended a large party and it was but natural that she should now wish to go but it could not be and she was obliged to content herself with the hopes of a minute description from anna carrie she would not trust for she well knew that whatever she told would be greatly exaggerated mrs graham undoubtedly wished to give her friends ample time to prepare for her invitations were issued nearly a week in advance this suited carrie who had a longer time to decide upon what would be becoming and when at last a decision was made she could do nothing but talk about her dress which really was beautiful consisting of a pink and white silk with an overskirt of soft rich lace this after it was completed was tried on at least half a dozen times and the effect carefully studied before the long mirror anna who cared much less for dress than her sister decided upon a black flounced skirt and velvet basque this was mr everett's taste and whatever suited him suited her i do think it's too bad that lena is not invited said she one day when carrie as usual was discussing the party she would enjoy it so much i don't understand either why she is omitted for mrs graham seemed to like her and durward too a great ways off you mean interrupted carrie for my part i see nothing strange in the omission 
it is no worse to leave her out than scores of others who will not be invited but to come into the house and ask all about her said anna it does not seem right she is as good as we are that's as people think returned carrie while john jr who was just going out to ride and had stopped a moment at the door exclaimed zounds cad i wonder if you fancy yourself better than lena rivers if you do you are the only one that thinks so why you can't begin to compare with her and it's a confounded shame that she isn't invited and so i shall tell them if i have a good chance you'll look smart fishing for an invitation won't you said carrie her fears instantly aroused but john jr was out of her hearing almost before the words were uttered mounting firelock he started off for versailles falling in with durwood who was bound for the same place after the usual greetings were exchanged durwood said i suppose you are all coming on thursday night yes returned john jr i believe the old folks cad and anna intend to do so but where's miss rivers doesn't she honour us with her presence asked durward in some concern john jr's first impulse as he afterwards said was to knock him off from his horse but a second thought convinced him there might be some mistake so he replied that it was hardly to be supposed miss rivers would attend without an invitation she wasn't quite so verdant as that without an invitation repeated durward stopping short in the road lena not invited it isn't so i directed one to her myself and gave it to nero together with the rest which were designed for your family he must have lost it i'll ask him the moment i get home and see that it is all made right she must come anyway for i wouldn't give here he stopped as if he had said too much but john jr finished the sentence for him wouldn't give a picayune for the whole affair without her that's what you mean and why not say so i speak right out about nelly and she isn't one half as handsome as lena it isn't lena's beauty that i admire altogether returned durward i like her for her frankness and because i think her conduct is actuated by the best of principles perhaps i am mistaken no you are not again interrupted john jr lena is just what she seems to be there's no deception in her she isn't one thing to-day and another to-morrow spunky as the old nick you know but still she governs her temper admirably and between you and me i know i'm a better man than i should have been had she never come to live with us how well i remember the first time i saw her he continued repeating to durward the particulars of their interview in lexington and describing her introduction to his sisters from the moment she refused to tell that lie for me i liked her said he and when she dealt me that blow in my face my admiration was complete durward thought he could dispense with the blow but he laughed heartily at john's description of his spirited cousin thinking too how different was his opinion of her from that which his mother evidently entertained still if mrs livingstone was prejudiced john jr might also be somewhat biased so he would not yet make up his mind but on one thing he was resolved she should be invited and for fear of contingencies he would carry the card himself accordingly on his return home nero was closely questioned and negro-like called down all manner of evil upon himself if he done drap the note anywhar strew as i live and breathe Master belmont said he i done carry miss lenny's invite with the rest and give em all to the young lady with the big nose had durward understood mrs livingstone a little better he might have believed him but now it was but natural for him to suppose that nero had accidentally dropped it so he wrote another taking it himself and asking for miss rivers 
Carrie, who was in the parlor and saw him coming up to the house, instantly flew to the glass, smoothing her collar, puffing out her hair a little more, pinching her cheek, which was not quite so red as usual, and wishing that she was alone. But unfortunately both Anna and Lena were present, and as there was no means of being rid of them, she retained her seat at the piano, carelessly turning over the leaves of her music book when the door opened, and Corinda, not Durward, appeared. "'If you please, Miss Lena,' said the girl, Master Belmont want to speak with you in the hall. With Lena? How funny! exclaimed Carrie. Are you sure it was Lena? Yes, sure. He done ask for Miss Rivers. Ask him in, why don't you? said Carrie, suspecting his errand and thinking to keep herself from all suspicion by appearing wonderfully pleased that Lena was not intentionally neglected before corinda could reply lena had stepped into the hall and was standing face to face with durward who retained her hand while he asked if she really believed the intended to slight her at the same time explaining how it came to his knowledge and saying he hoped she would not fail to attend lena hesitated but he pressed her so hard saying he should surely think she distrusted them if she refused that she finally consented and he took his leave playfully threatening to come for her himself if she were not there with the rest "'You feel better now, don't you?' said Carrie with a sneer as Lena re-entered the parlor. "'Yes, a great deal,' was Lena's truthful answer. "'Oh, I'm real glad,' exclaimed Anna. "'I most knew twas a mistake all the time, and I did so want you to go. "'What will you wear? Let me see. "'Why, you haven't got anything suitable, have you?' This was true, for Lena had nothing fit for the occasion, and she was beginning to wish she had not been invited when her uncle came in, and to him Anna forthwith stated the case, saying Lena must have a new dress, and suggesting embroidered muslin. "'How ridiculous!' muttered Carrie, thrumming away at the piano. "'There's no time to make dresses now. They should have invited her earlier.' "'Isn't Miss Simpson still here?' asked her father. Anna replied that she was, and then, turning to Lena, Mr. Livingstone asked if she wanted to go very much. The tears which shone in her eyes were a sufficient answer, and when at supper that night inquiry was made for Mr. Livingstone, it was said that he had gone to Frankfurt. "'To Frankfurt,' repeated his wife. "'What has he gone there for?' No one knew until late in the evening when he returned home, bringing with him Lena's dress, which Anna pronounced the sweetest thing she ever saw at the same time running with it to her cousin there was company in the parlor which for a time kept down the gathering storm in mrs livingstone's face but the moment they were gone and she was alone with her husband in their room it burst forth and in angry tones she demanded what he meant by spending her money in that way and without her consent before making any reply mr livingstone stepped to her work-box and opening the little drawer held to view the missing note then turning to his wife, whose face was very pale, he said, This morning I made a discovery which exonerates Nero from all blame. I understand it fully, and while I knew you were capable of almost anything, I must say I did not think you would be guilty of quite so mean an act. Stay, he continued as he saw her about to speak. You are my wife, and as Lena is at last invited, your secret is safe, but remember, it must not be repeated. You understand me, do you? Mrs. Livingstone was struck dumb with mortification and astonishment, the first that she was detected, and the last that her husband dare assume such language toward her. But he had her in his power, she knew that, 
and for a time it rendered her very docile causing her to consult with miss simpson concerning the fitting of lena's dress herself standing by when it was done and suggesting one or two improvements until lena perfectly bewildered wondered what had come over her aunt that she should be so unusually kind carrie too learning from her mother how matters stood thought proper to change her manner and while in her heart she hoped something would occur to keep lena at home she loudly expressed her pleasure that she was going offering to lend her several little ornaments and doing many things which puzzled lena who readily saw that she was feigning what she did not feel meanwhile grandma learning that lena was invited declared her intention of going i shouldn't have gin up in the first on it said she only i wanted to show em proper resentment but now it's different and i'll go anyway tilda may say what she's a mind to it was in vain that lena reasoned the case grandma was decided and it was not until both her son and daughter interfered the one advising and the other commanding her to stay at home that she yielded with a burst of tears for grandma was now in her second childhood and easily moved it was terrible to lena to see her grandmother weep and twining her arms around her neck she tried to soothe her saying she would willingly stay at home with her if she wished it mrs nichols was not selfish enough to suffer this no leany said she i want you to go and enjoy yourself while you are young for you'll sometime be old and in the way and the old creature covered her face with her shrivelled hands and wept but she was of too cheerful a nature long to remember grief and drying her tears she soon forgot her trouble in the pride and satisfaction which she felt when she saw how well the white muslin became lena who john jr said never looked so beautifully as she did when arrayed for the party mr livingstone had not been sparing of his money when he purchased the party dress which was a richly embroidered muslin and fell in soft folds around lena's graceful figure her long flowing curls were intertwined with a few natural flowers her only attempt at ornament of any kind and indeed ornaments would have been sadly out of place on lena it was between nine and ten when the party from maple grove reached woodlawn where they found a large company assembled some in the drawing-rooms below and others still lingering at the toilet in the dressing-chamber among these last were nelly douglas and mabel ross the latter of whom mrs livingstone was perfectly delighted to see overwhelming her with caresses and urging her to stop for a while at maple grove i shall be so glad to have you with us and the country air will do you so much good that you must not refuse said she pinching mabel's sallow cheek and stroking her straight glossy hair which in contrast with the bandeau of pearls that she wore looked dark as midnight spite of her wealth mabel had long been accustomed to neglect and there was something so kind in mrs livingstone's motherly demeanour that the heart of the young orphan warmed toward her and tears glittered in her large mournful eyes the only beauty save her hair of which she could boast very few had ever cared for poor mabel who though warm-hearted and affectionate required to be known in order to be appreciated and as she was naturally shy and retiring there were not many who felt at all acquainted with her left alone in the world at a very early age she had never known what it was to possess a real disinterested friend unless we except nelly douglas who while there was nothing congenial between them had always tried to treat mabel as she herself would wish to be treated were she in like circumstances many had professed friendship for the sake of the gain which they knew would accrue for she was generous to a fault bestowing with a lavish hand upon those whom she loved and who had too often proved false denouncing her as utterly spiritless and insipid 
so often had she been deceived that now at the age of eighteen she had learned to distrust her fellow-creatures and oftentimes in secret would she weep bitterly over her lonely condition lamenting the plain face and unattractive manners which she fancied rendered her an object of dislike still there was about her a depth of feeling of which none had ever dreamed and it only required a skilful hand to mould her into an altogether different being she was perhaps too easily influenced for in spite of her distrust a pleasant word or kind look would win her to almost anything of this weakness mrs livingstone seemed well aware and for the better accomplishment of her plan she deemed it necessary that mabel should believe her to be the best friend she had in the world accordingly she now flattered and petted her calling her darling and dearest and urging her to stop at maple grove until she consented provided nelly douglas were willing oh i don't care answered nelly whose gay dashing disposition poorly accorded with the listless sickly mabel and who felt it rather a relief than otherwise to be rid of her so it was decided that she should stay at maple grove and then mrs livingstone passing her arm around her waist whispered go down with me at the same time starting for the parlor followed by her daughters nelly and lena in the hall they met with john jr he had heard nelly's voice and stationing himself at the head of the stairs was waiting her appearance miss ross said mrs livingstone to her son at the same time indicating her willingness to give her into his care but john jr would not take the hint bowing stiffly to mabel he passed on toward nelly in his eagerness stepping on carrie's train and drawing from her an exclamation of anger at his awkwardness mrs livingstone glanced backward just in time to see the look of affection with which her son regarded nelly as she placed her soft hand confidingly upon his arm and gazed upward smilingly into his face she dared not slight miss douglas in public but with a mental invective against her she drew mabel closer to her side and smoothing down the heavy folds of her moire antique entered the drawing-room which was brilliantly lighted and filled with the beauty and fashion of lexington frankfort and versailles at the door they met durward who as he took lena's hand said it is well you remembered your promise for i was about starting after you this observation did not escape mrs livingstone who besides having her son and nelly under her special cognizance had also an eye upon her niece and anna her espionage of the latter however was not needed immediately owing to her being straightway appropriated by captain atherton who in dainty white kids and vest to match the colour not the material strutted back and forth with anna tucked under his arm until the poor girl was ready to cry with vexation when the guests had nearly all arrived both mr graham and durward started for lena the latter reaching her first and paying her so many little attentions that the curiosity of others was aroused and frequently was the question asked who is she the beautiful young lady in white muslin and curls nothing of all this escaped mrs livingstone and once in passing near her niece she managed to whisper for heaven's sake don't show your ignorance of etiquette by taxing mr belmont's good nature any longer it's very improper to claim any one's attention so long and you are calling forth remarks then quickly changing the whisper into her softest tone she said to durward how can you resist such beseeching glances as those ladies send toward you nodding to a group of girls of which carrie was one lena coloured scarlet and gazed wistfully around the room in quest of some other shelter when durward should relinquish her as she felt he would surely do but none presented itself her uncle was playing the agreeable to miss atherton mr graham to some other lady while john jr kept closely at nelly's side forgetful of all else what shall i do 
said lena unconsciously and half aloud stay with me answered durward drawing her hand further within his arm and bending upon her a look of admiration which she could not mistake several times they passed and repassed mrs graham who was highly incensed at her son's proceedings and at last actually asked him if he did not intend noticing any one except miss rivers adding as an apology for her rudeness for mrs graham prided herself upon being very polite in her own house she has charms enough to win a dozen gallants but there are others here who need attention from you there's miss livingstone you've hardly spoken with her to-night thus importuned durward released lena and walked away attaching himself to carrie who clung to him closer if possible than did the old captain to anna about this time mr everett came he had been necessarily detained and now after paying his respects to the host and hostess he started in quest of anna who was still held in durance vile by the captain but the moment she saw malcolm she uttered a low exclamation of joy and without a single apology broke abruptly away from her ancient cavalier whose little watery eyes looked daggers after her for an instant then consoling himself with the reflection that he was tolerably sure of her do what she would he walked up to her mother kindly relieving her for a time of her charge who was becoming rather tiresome frequently by nods winks and frowns had mrs livingstone tried to bring her son to a sense of his improper conduct in devoting himself exclusively to one individual and neglecting all others but her efforts were all in vain john jr was incorrigible slyly whispering to nelly that he had no idea of being a medicine chest this he said referring to mabel's ill health for among his other oddities john jr had a particular aversion to sickly ladies of course nelly reproved him for his unkind remarks at the same time warmly defending mabel who she said had been delicate from infancy and suffered far more than was generally suspected let her stay at home then was john jr's answer as he led nelly toward the supper-room which the company were just then entering about an hour after supper the guests began to leave mrs livingstone being the first to propose going as she was ascending the stairs john jr observed that mabel was with her and turning to lena who now leaned on his arm he said there goes the future mrs john jr so mother thinks where asked lena looking around why there continued john pointing toward mabel haven't you noticed with what parental solicitude mother watches over her i saw them together answered lena and i thought it very kind in my aunt for no one else seemed to notice her and i felt sorry for her she is going home with us i believe going home with us repeated john jr in the name of the people what is she going home with us for why returned lena your mother thinks the country air will do her good undoubtedly said john with a sneer mother's motives are usually very disinterested i wonder she don't propose to the old captain to take up his quarters with us so she can nurse him with this state of feeling it was hardly natural that john jr should be very polite toward mabel and when his mother asked him to help her into the carriage she complied so ungraciously that mabel observed it and looked wonderingly at her patroness for an explanation only one of his freaks love he'll get over it said mrs livingstone while poor mabel sinking back among the cushions wept silently thinking that everybody hated her when lena came down to bid her host and hostess good-night the former retained her hand while he expressed his sorrow at her leaving so soon i meant to have seen more of you said he but you must visit us often will you not 
neither the action nor the words escaped mrs graham's observation and the lecture which she that night read her offending spouse had the effect to keep him awake until the morning was growing grey in the east then when he was asleep he so far forgot himself and the wide-open ears beside him as actually to breathe the name of lena in his dreams mrs graham needed no further confirmation of her suspicions and at the breakfast-table next morning she gave her son a lengthened account of her husband's great sin in dreaming of a young girl and that girl lena rivers durward laughed heartily and then either to tease his mother or to make his father's guilt less heinous in her eyes he replied it is a little singular that our minds should run in the same channel for i too dreamed of lena rivers poor mrs graham a double task was now imposed upon her that of watching both husband and son but she was accustomed to it for her life since her second marriage had been one continued series of watching for evil where there was none and now with a growing hatred toward lena she determined to increase her vigilance feeling sure she should discover something if she only continued faithful to the end, end of chapter twelve